May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. One of the uh, great joys I've had is to raise a now 13-year-old boy. I guess it's raise asterisk. We're maybe just halfway there or a quarter of the way there. Um, and uh, he plays baseball. And in the baseball, uh, we have met lots of people from all over uh, the neighborhood. Um, and it's been a great space where a whole, whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of different beliefs uh, can meet and become friends. And last summer, we became very good friends with Jude's baseball team as we traveled around quite a bit and, and the parents of the teammates. One of the guys is a uh, pastor at Restoration Church, which is on Nebraska. It's a Southern Baptist church. And um, him and I uh, share a whole bunch of roots and a love of preaching and pastoring. Um, and even though we come from very different traditions, we struck up a real friendship and a deep mutual respect for each other's ministries, even though our churches are very different from each other, you know? Well, one day, so here's what you need to know about baseball for my uh, now 13-year-old child. The whole goal, the whole project is to make it to a D1 school. Okay, does anybody know what a D1 school is? Okay. Well, anyway, it's like, it's like uh, uh, the rankings of schools and their, their athletic programs. You have like D3, which is kind of like you know, I don't know, a smaller program, then a D1 program is like, you know, big and powerful. And, you know, this is how we rank things um, in our household. It's a D1 school, you know? So we're driving down the road and we pass on Nebraska, just, you know, over there uh, on the other side of uh, the Department of Homeland Security on Nebraska is Restoration Church right by AU. And we're passing by, it's like a Monday night or Tuesday night or Wednesday night and the parking lot is full. And I said, Pastor Nathan's saving souls tonight, <laughs> you know? And my son laughed and he goes, he goes, yeah, man, Nathan, he's really religious. And it's like, you know those like the 12-year-old child knows exactly where your weaknesses are and they punch right there. And it's like, was that a compliment or was that an insult to me? <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, Jude, I'm a priest. <laughs> like, I think of myself as quite religious. And he goes, yeah, 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 dad, but you're D3. Nathan is D1. <laughs> I was like, what? I was so, you know, I was laughing, but also kind of hurt, you know? And um, so, like, later on, because I didn't want to, like, you know, uh, change the mood and start grilling them, later on, I was like, Jude, what did you mean by that, you know? What makes Nathan, you know, like, more religious and, and me not. And um, he said, oh, no, 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 it, Dad, 
um, Nathan is like too religious, <laughs> you know? So that part was kind of a compliment, which was uh, really interesting to me. And he goes, also sometimes dad, sometimes dad you cuss. I said, oh, okay. True, <laughs> true, sometimes I do. And I was like, and, and it's like the, the cussing that's keeping me from, from D1 and goes, yeah, cussing, that's not good. I said, okay, good, thanks, thanks, Jude. Now, so I've got a complicated word to share with you all today. And it's something that I've been trying to, um, something that Jenna and I are often saying in our house, and it's, well, here it is. There are no good words, and there are no bad words. The same word can be used to encourage and build up, to draw friends into laughter and silliness, to deepen the bonds of friendship and community. The same word can be used to shame, to destroy, to disassemble. Figuring out the context of whether a word is shame-based or joy-based is what it's all about. That is not to say there are not some words in a lot of contexts that we forbid <laughs> our children from having. Any of you who have raised children, um, giving them free range to figure out which words are good in which context is not a great idea. Um, some words can deeply embarrass um, and can confuse and be very disruptive and not good. Hear me on that one. But the words themselves are not the things that are objectionable. Today is Pentecost, the birthday of the church. And my view of it is that in both John and Acts, um, in both John and Acts, we have stories of the disciples encountering Jesus, seeing God in a completely new way. In Acts, the view that they have is, uh, the writer describes it as a sound of a rush of violent wind. God appears as fire on their lips. And in support of my, there are no good words and there are no bad words, there is the context for which they are used, we have Peter, the um, cornerstone of the church, making a drunk joke in his sermon. You think that we're drunk? And normally you might be right, but it's nine in the morning, and it's too early even for us to be drunk. I'm pretty sure it is what um, is happening there. Um, pretty, pretty straightforward joke. In my view, Pentecost, being the birthday of the church, is a very difficult reminder to us, 
to read year after year in church after church in churches all across the world that there are no words, there are no languages, there are no cultures in which God cannot manifest God's self. The presence of God can be found in all languages and cultures and people. And sometimes the way that God presents God's self can feel, as it says in today's scriptures, violent. A violent rushing wind can feel offensive as fire, can be completely unrecognized as Jesus is when he enters into the house where the disciples are hiding. And so we clothe ourselves with these words. Our prayers today are meant to be an offering to God to deepen our sense of what God is, to lift up our pain, our joy, to ask for forgiveness and to be forgiven. And also to remember how God appears will take many forms. These last uh, couple of weeks, um, just about each week, at some point on a Sunday, one of our homeless neighbors has showed up in church. And, um, and uh, sometimes uh, the, these friends, our neighbors, come in with uh, no remark. Um, a, a few weeks ago, one of them came in uh, 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 whose uh, the words are hard to describe. It was a difficult presence uh, to be in. Last week, uh, a young woman came in. Uh, she was in the commons, I think after this service, before the nine o'clock, and um, her words were alternating between, she said phrases like, um, I have lost myself. I'm looking for myself. And her words were also uh, what my son would call curse words. And uh, I felt uncomfortable um, was my reaction. I went to her, I welcomed her, I thanked her for being here. Um, but I uh, truthfully, uh, laying, laying myself um, before you, I was uh, uncomfortable, not sure what to do. Uh, the deep, the deep mystery and context and struggle of our faith. We've had um, some uh, of our neighbors who have come in whose presence has felt um, and their actions has felt as if they were trying to um, dominate and intimidate, and we've asked some of them to leave. Um, we've asked some of them to leave, especially when we thought that there might be a safety concern for the larger group. Those are very, very hard decisions that a whole bunch of us took part in. 
Here also is the truth. Sometimes when our homeless neighbors enter our doors, it is the presence of God that enters this church. It may feel that we are ministering to them, so our acts of hospitality and warmth, which is not untrue. But the truth is, in some of those moments, especially last week, it was that woman who was ministering to us. And it was to us that we had to receive her words and hold them before God. So on this Pentecost, let the Holy Spirit fill this place to rush as a violent wind to push us off our pedestals. See God in our midst. In the name of God. Amen.